So we're going to continue in 1 Kings, and um, you know that last, the last couple of weeks uh, we've talked more about Solomon. I want to wrap up with a couple of things here about Solomon. I'm very big on wisdom. Now, you know, if I'm a case study, hopefully I'm learning to be a case study in wisdom. But I, I want you to know that even though I may not be, and, and we have a long way to go, the more I'm understanding about wisdom, the more I've learned about it in the last, oh, 11 years, when, because of circumstances that God made sure he put in my life, I'm understanding the importance of wisdom. And, and I want you to really understand that because, again, it's, it's not just knowledge. And wisdom is not just what most people think wisdom is. It is a deep, deep, how deep can I say? I can't even, I can't even articulate how deep wisdom is. But if we look at a couple of things of what God's point of view of wisdom is, and I want to go over that, I want you to understand that. And then we'll get off. I'll stop harping on that. We'll get into the, the, the rest of the story here. But I'm just going to read this to you. So it's in my notes, so you don't have to keep turning there because there's just too much to do. But, of course, one of the main books of wisdom is the book of? Right. And who wrote that book? You know, right. He wrote two other books as well. But I want to just dwell on some things here. Listen to this. Now, remember I told you that wisdom is attributed to a gender, or gender is attributed to wisdom. I put it that way. And wisdom is, is often referred to, especially in Scripture, as she. And, and in the context, again, I just want you to understand that the she here is sort of the she as a wife. It's not just wisdom is female or feminine in some way. It has nothing to do with it. It's this graceful, wonderful companion that completes the person that she's with. She is the, the, you know, the yin and the yang, if you will. And it, even God himself, which we're going to see here, actually says that wisdom accompanied him and rejoiced with him when he created everything. That's the point of view of, of I'd like to share with you and have you understand about wisdom. Because once you understand that point of view or you, or you attack wisdom from that point of view, then you really get what it really means. It's not just deep understanding. It's the, it's the deepest of deepest of understandings. And to understand itself how God views wisdom and why it's presented in, such the, in, in, in the way that it is in Scripture is the deepest understanding of all of the value of wisdom. And that's the best I can do in my limited ability to articulate what I want to. So I just want to read you some things here. Just, just listen from the book of Proverbs. This is Proverbs chapter 8. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. Think of that. I possess knowledge and discretion. If you look at the Proverbs 31 woman, wouldn't you say most of these things right here we just talked about are key virtues? of the Proverbs 31 woman, discretion, quietness, but yet assurance and able to do these things that she, the, a, a, proverb, a woman is built to do in complement to her husband. I possess knowledge and discernment and, of course, prudence. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I, wisdom speaking for herself, I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. This is wisdom speaking in the first person here. I, I have understanding and power. Would you say that those, these are the main attributes of God now? Did you see how this is being sewed together? And who but what Solomon and the wisdom God gave him could understand to, to put this stuff on, on scroll. Let's say paper, but on scroll. Papias. The papayas, thank you. Listen to this. By me, kings reign and rulers make laws that are just. Of course we know the converse is true. Isn't that right? By me, princes govern, and all nobles who rule on earth. I love those 
who love me. And those who seek me find me. That's the most important thing. Wisdom does not come by default. You know, they say, oh, I'm not old. My mother used to say this. She's got earthly wisdom. She's not a Christian. And she has got wisdom to an extent. And she says, she used to say this to me, you know, I'm not old for nothing. Meaning that she has some wisdom. And, and of course, when I was younger, I was much more foolish than I am now, although I can still be counted as foolish, I guess. But you know how that goes when your parents, you probably say, say that to your children, I know. I'd say that to my, I'm not old for nothing. The point is, is that there's wisdom gained through experience. And the hoary head, just by nature, because they've been around for so long, they gain some experience, and that's wisdom, some deep understanding. But that has nothing to do, let's put it this way, it's not necessarily linked to this type of wisdom. There are many older people around who do not have the kind of wisdom. And I dare say I've talked to quite a few in, in and outside of this church. And I'm just using it as an example. It's just wherever you go. Where it has nothing to do with really with being Christian or not. It has something to do with Christian, Christianity being Christ and God's through Christ and reconciled makes it possible to have this kind of wisdom. That's really what I'm saying. This kind of wisdom coupled with age is the best thing that can be offered to anybody. So I say that the older of, among us in this room and anywhere else, if you are Christian and you sought wisdom and you seek it now, please share it with those of us who are younger. No, I, I wish I could still say that. I'm not that much younger anymore, especially I've got to wear these now. But that's the point. So this is the type of wisdom I'm trying to share with you here, and that Solomon indeed is trying to share. With me are riches and honor, enduring, enduring wealth and prosperity. The key word here is enduring. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing wealth on those who love me and make their treasuries full. Proverbs 8, uh, 22. This is beautiful. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was appointed from eternity. Think of that. From the beginning, before the world began, when there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the earth or its fields, or any of the dust of the world, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizons on the face of the deep. When he established the I don't need artificial tears this morning for my LASIK because of never mind. When he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundaries so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I, I was the craftsman at his side. Do you get the full import of what wisdom is? Wisdom is the right arm of God. Wisdom is the word of God because what does God say created everything by the, how he did it? By the word of his mouth. And who's the craftsman at his side? You see how it all ties together? The whole counsel of God is wisdom and was there when he designed and created everything in this wonderful universe and things that we have no clue about yet that we will know. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence. You see how tightly coupled they are? Like husband and wife in that regard as well. I mean, they're so tightly coupled. Rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. 
Now then, my sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting, waiting at my doorway. This is the, the someone who is hungering. You ever need, like, if, for instance, if you've ever needed ice after a power failure and the Cumbies happens to have some, or you need something like fresh water, you'd be waiting at that door, waiting for someone to open that door, right? You'd be on that line, knocking on that door. This is what he's saying here. Blessed is the man watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway for something that only wisdom can offer. Wanting it that much, seeking it and wanting it that much. Listen to this. For whoever finds me, finds life, finds life and receives favor from the Lord. I don't think I have to go much further than that, right? But let's look at the converse. Proverbs also talks about, to make the point even strongly, you know, you, you, you probably see this in general life. I know I do. Sometimes when you make a point in the positive, like we just did, that's fine. But sometimes to make the point even more strongly, you have to make the point in the opposite, in the negative. To press home the value of maybe doing the opposite, you know, of the value of the thing you're talking about if you do the opposite. So I'm going to... I'm gonna, um, just read you some of these from also from, uh, from, from Psalms, rather. This is actually from Psalms. But before I do that, the last, last proverb I want to read you in chapter 8. But whoever fails to find me harms himself. All who hate me love, love, love death. You see what, what wisdom is saying here? To despise wisdom is to love the fact that you are doomed. To failure unto death. One, that's one of the strongest things that I, I, makes me believe. Like I said, I believe personally there are two things you leave here with. Right? You come in with nothing. Have I said this many times? You come in with nothing. There are two leaves you can leave, things you can leave here with if you have Christ. Your eternal life in God. That's life itself, right? Because you'll have eternal life if you don't have Christ. That's not called life though, is it? So you will have your eternal life. And the only other thing you can gain and keep here and bring with you is wisdom. Because you love that life. And that life is saying right here, life of wisdom has to be your companion. Just like eternal life is. Everything else that you do here is sent up. And that's what we're going to be judged on when we finally get up there, right? So I'm just saying here. You don't have your rewards yet because they have yet to be tallied by what you've sent ahead. So you don't have those things here. When you were born, you came in naked as a jaybird. And some, most times, well, you, other than when you're dressed, if they put you in a casket unless you're in an urn, that's your last coating of dress, you leave with exactly that, right? Until your body's resurrected if you're a Christian and reunited with your spirit in heaven. But even at that point, you do not have your reward yet, do you? No. You have to wait now for the marriage supper of the Lamb. And at that point, we are judged on what we've done. That's my point. So, uh, but whoever fails to find me, wisdom harms himself. All who hate me love Love death. Very strong words. Very strong words. Whoever files, files to find wisdom is then considered a, it begins with an F, it ends in the letter L, and has a double O in the middle. The worst kind of fool is the person who believes that they have knowledge and wisdom and don't really have it. And that's part and parcel if you think about it. When Jesus says, and the meek shall inherit the earth, and God says that I will abase those who exalt themselves, but I will exalt those who are humble, who are meek. 
Jesus himself because there is the book of Mark which shows him as the ultimate right. That is the ultimate expression of complete humbleness. And he divested himself of his divinity to the point of becoming human and becoming the ultimate servant to show us what that's like. The washing of the feet by Jesus is a big deal. And it shows that he possesses wisdom and that he deserves to possess wisdom. I want to impress upon you that this is the whole point of wisdom. That you will not have wisdom unless you are humble. Humble with the knowledge and the things that God gives you and I and understand the, the, the strength of that. So that's the point. Those people are fools. And Proverbs and Psalms, by the way, has a lot to say about this. Uh, they're not only concentrated on what God has to say about wisdom, but again, this antithesis of wisdom and what makes someone a fool and a fool and foolishness and a fool in his or her folly. Right? So let's, let's talk about that. This is from now Psalms chapter 14. You can just stay in 1 Kings. The fool says in his heart, guess what most fools, actually all fools, say in their heart? There is no God. You've got that right. And, matter of fact, Rachel and I were talking about, who, who was it? Uh, oh, somebody you know personally. And we also talked about, is it uh, Rick, Rick Dawson, the, the writer of that, the atheist, the strong, is it Richard Dawson? I think of the comedian. <laughs> Survey says <laughs> I don't want to say he's a fool but he looked to me anyway okay so this guy Dawson guy right you ever see somebody who hates God I mean really hates someone that they don't believe in that's a fool at least if you're not going to believe in it it's benign right I don't believe in uh, you know but they hate someone they don't believe in that's fool yeah you're right you're absolutely right. And you don't touch their faith. Right? Do not touch my faith. You're absolutely right. Yeah? That's the height of foolishness to put something like faith. And what is the definition of faith? Whether it's Christian faith, you know, faith in God or not. What is the definition of faith? Scripture says what it is. Anybody remember what that is? That's right. That's right. Believing it's the evidence of things that are not seen. I mean, that's how strongly you're absolutely right, Joyce. And a guy like Dawson, and a guy like your friend that, that, that we talked about and so forth, and people who you all met, they are so, they, you don't touch, it's like touching their eye. And I know what that's like, because I had LASIK now before that. I hated nobody, nobody touched my eye. Well, you know, you know uh, how God says Israel is the apple of his eye. You know what that really means? That's the pain, most painful part of the body if it's touched without anesthesia. Right, Kevin? You had LASIK too. The apple of the eye is actually the way of saying that Israel is the cornea of God's eye. And if you touch it, you will cause him so much pain. And what will follow that pain? Anger. And an immediate desire and thrust to remove the source of the pain. Right? And that's what the apple... So it's not, it's not a compliment, although we all, we all think of it. Oh, you're the apple of my eye. Well, it's a compliment saying that if someone hurts you... They're hurting me in the most abrupt way, the most impacting way. That's what that's all about. So a fool, uh, the fool says in his heart, uh, there is no God. And it says here, they are corrupt, their deeds are vile, there is no one who does good. The way of a fool seems, oh, right to him? Hmm. But a wise man listens to advice. Now, of course, wisdom has to dictate who to listen to. 
because I've seen fools, and I was actually foolish many times myself listening to the wrong <laughs> advice. There is wisdom in the multitude of counsel. Scripture also says that, correct? But you've got to have holy, the Holy Spirit to guide you to the right counsel. And that's why I have told this class before. I don't know how recently I've done it. But when I decided I needed to know the truth, I said, God, not only I, we read the Bible, and I didn't understand it all. You, know, you can't just read the Bible and understand it all. You realize that now. It takes years. It takes study. But even those who don't study, the Holy Spirit will guide you into revealing certain things about Scripture and life and all those things. But when I started saying to God in earnest, I said, God, you have to bring me to people that you already have in place that I can be sure of because you send me to them that I know that what I learn at their feet is the truth and then I can build on that. And that's exactly what he has done. I do not know all of this stuff intrinsically. Believe me, I do not. And matter of fact, a lot of the stuff I teach, I would never be able to remember to tell you again until I went back and looked at it in my notes. But that's life, especially as you get older. That's life. But I will tell you this. I have a, a baseline book that I use as, as a, 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 a general overall framework by Chuck Missler called Learn the Bible in 24 Hours. It does not have a lot of detail. But I use it as my guide. It's sort of like my, my blueprint, if you will, for this class. And I go through that, I go with that and let, and let that guide me in, in how, what to teach basically out of each book what's important. But believe me, I add, as you see, a lot of the stuff that I've come to learn by other counselors. And sometimes by God himself. Like you, I'll be reading something and it'll just, the Holy Spirit will just pop it right out. I said, well, I've got to put that in there. I never even knew that. I never thought. You ever see yourself saying when you read scripture, I never thought of that. That's wisdom at work. That's wisdom at work. And don't be afraid of wisdom. And what I mean by that is people who may be jealous of the wisdom that you have gained, that they don't like to see it because they're fools and the fool never wants to be told that he's not wise. So just be careful of those things. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying here. Uh, so let's see. The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. A fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man uh, overlooks an insult. I'm still working on that one. <laughs> Ask my wife, she'll tell you. A simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thought to his steps. A wise man fears the Lord and shuns evil, but a fool is hot-headed and reckless. Don't ask my wife about that one. A quick, <laughs> a quick temp boy. This I'm getting convicted here now. A quick, <laughs> a quick. I'm, I'm being humbled. All right. A quick-tempered man does foolish things, and a crafty man is hated. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. Can you believe it's, a, it's a considered a crown? A fool spurns his father's discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the hearts of fools. A rebuke impresses a man of discernment more than a hundred lashes a fool. <laughs> a fool can be beaten with the rod many times and they still walk away in pain and they'll still be a fool. You ever know anybody like that? Of what use is money in the hand of a, thank you, since he has no desire to get wisdom? <laughs> it's a good thing that God keeps prosperity from some people. I'm not even saying Christian or not. I mean, but you've noticed where God has allowed prosperity in the hands of people who are fools, just as an example of what can be done. Look at, I'll say his name, George Soros, one of the richest fools on the face of this earth. And you well, can think of, say again? More money than sense. That's right. That's right. 
I mean, I know people who are poor that have more money than cents, but that's a different what story. Crossover from fools to evil, though, because I think he's more in the evil range. Yeah, right. And I think because a fool can be led by the nose to evil, that's the key. That's a great tool. That's a great point because what's a very effective tool for Satan? How do you usurp one's uh, one's will, right? You drag a fool by his by complimenting him by giving him the, the means to make wealth. And you know people who earn earn or make a lot of money like Wall Street traders. And you ever, ever ever known any of those kind of people? I haven't really known a lot of them. I've I've been introduced to a few of them in my lifetime. Let me tell you, they are very wise and they're astute and they walk around and you would think that they really know what they're doing. Just because they know how to do one or two things well. That's, an idiot savant can do Anybody hear of idiot savants? They can do that too. They can do one or two things very well. But unfortunately, they can't function in life. Well, you take a, an average person and give them one or two things that they can do very well and then lead them by the nose by that. And they become fools that are very useful idiots. You've heard of the term useful idiot, right? That's what, that's what communism, that's what they say. You've got to develop your whole cadre of useful idiots if you're going to turn the world upside down. That's, he's a useful idiot. So, you're very well, very good point. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding but delights in airing his own opinions. <laughs> better to meet, oh, listen to this, better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than, than a fool in his folly. <laughs> like cutting off one's feet or drinking violence is the sending of a message by the hand of a fool. And that's just, you know, I've got only like two or three more here, but listen to that one again. Like cutting off one's feet or drinking violence is, or poison is the sending of a message by the hand of a fool. <coughs> Have you ever seen God's word being delivered by a fool? Have you ever seen that? Don't stare at me. <laughs> I can't see you now. No, I'm serious. Have you ever, ever seen that? I'm not going to even name names, but you've heard some quote-unquote preachers who deliver God's word and they handle it with skill. And they may even know some truth about the word. But out of their tongue is the word of death. Isn't that funny how they leverage the words of life and turn it into the words of death? I was in a cult. Not one of those radical, you know, Jimmy Jones kind of, is it Jimmy Jones? The Kool-Aid cult? I don't, I don't like Kool-Aid anyway. That, I guess that was good. That would never have joined that cult. But I was in a cult that was le very legalist. I mean, they, they lived and died by the law. My wife grew up in it. Thankfully, she's free. I'm free. And you know what they say? He who's been forgiven much loves much. Those who are set free are the ones who really understand what it's like to be captive. If you were never captive in anything like that, and maybe you were. Maybe we have some former Jehovah's Witnesses here and so forth and so on. Let me tell you, the words and the ways that they do this come right out of their mouths. And when you believe it, it is death. It is death to the soul. It is death to the soul. By the way, like I've always said, you know this. Who knows scripture better than we do other than God? Satan. Right. I'm going to leave you with a riddle here. And I don't want to answer it. And I just want you to think about it. And then we're going to move on. Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5. They seem like a dichotomy, and wisdom will give you the answer. So I want you to think about this, and we won't have to discuss it now. Proverbs 26 and verse 4. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. Then in verse 5, right after it, it says, Answer a fool according to his folly, 
or he will be wise in his own eyes. I don't want to discuss it here. I want you to think about that. Or jot down the scripture, Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5. And go home and ponder that. Because it's not here for nothing. Like, I'm not old for nothing. It's not here for nothing. And if, if, and if someone who doesn't really understand that and doesn't, doesn't even make, isn't, if, it, if it doesn't make you curious enough to discern what that means, you have two passages, one right after the other, flowing from the, the pen at the same time, or the scribe, or whatever he used on his papyrus, right? Think of that. Two what seem to be diametrically opposed concepts, one following the other by the same writer who had wisdom beyond measure in his day and for all human beings for all time. Okay. Do not speak to a fool for he will scorn the, 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 the wisdom of your words, right? That's the last one. And Jesus actually said something to this effect too in Matthew verse seven and, uh, chapter 7 and verse 6. You don't have to turn there. But Jesus said, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to the pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Isn't that a very, well, a very good way of, of saying, uh, do not speak to a fool or he will scorn the wisdom of your words? There are people, like matter of fact, I'll tell you, we had the incident the other day where uh, a Jehovah's Witness, was it Jehovah's Witness came to the door? And uh, Rachel answered the door. I was downstairs working and I let her handle it. And she came in and she was upset because she sees that these people, they don't understand and they don't want to and they're so sure. But again, that touches a, a string in your heart and, and mine as well because when we were in this cult, we believed as strongly the things that were not true. And yet we are not allowed to invite them in, right? You cannot, un unless there's a context of a friendship, you are not, and I are not, it's not our job to convince them. You offer them the truth. And what does Scripture say about to the, to the uh, disciples? Uh, if, if they go into a town where they offer the truth and their truth is rejected, what does Scripture say about that for them to do? Right. Just walk out shake, and shake the dust from your sandals. Don't even have anything lingering from that town on you. That may sound harsh, but it's answering to what Jesus said and what this proverb said. Read the book of Proverbs. And yes? I sound terrible, but um, <coughs> what they believe in, they said, is the passage you read about wisdom, mm -hmm. that that's talking about Jesus, and that's a proof text for them. They say that, that, that Jesus was created. Oh, really? Right, so so Jesus, wisdom is a noun at that point. And they're saying that applied to Jesus. And I said, well, look at the context before that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you could, you know, as looking at that, because the way it sounded, you know, it sounded like an actual person. Yeah. And Jesus is wisdom, and he yeah. is the word of God. So the best way to make a lie is to yeah. take the truth and twist it. Pepper it with some truth and twist it. Satan has the lock. That's the way it was in the church we were in, the Worldwide Church of God, right? Absolutely. Do I look more wise because I wear these now? <laughs> <clears throat> Pardon me. And, and when I put them down on my, my paper and I look at it, I say, wow, it looks like a wise man has been sitting here and they just put their glasses to rest their weary eyes because they've been thinking all day. So maybe I might like this. I'm going to wear these to work. I'm going to New York this week to my office in, in uh, Long Island and I'm going to wear these, see if they treat me any different. <laughs> They may treat me like an old, yo, fool, go up, you bald head. <laughs> I don't have a bald head. All right, so we're going to move on here now. So I hope you found that profitable as an overview of the Bible, but we cannot overview. I mean, you can't have anything without wisdom, and I wanted to show you what God thinks of it. 
and having the benefit of the man who Jesus even said in the New Testament that you know he was arrayed and, and you know even though Solomon was arrayed beautifully and, and it also says of him that uh, you know of all the things he was the wisest man to ever live and would ever live as far as the human experience goes to have the benefit of a man given that much wisdom to pen these things that if you don't say sorry and then, right, and then. So sad. So sad. And that is also the exclamation point or the period, if you will, or, or the, the thing is, is wisdom has to be attended to. Just like, and don't ask my wife about this, men attend to your wives. Because like the companion she is, if you do not keep up with her and be that back for her and, and be with her properly and, and give her the things that she needs. And believe me, I'm speaking like I know what I'm talking about. I don't. But... I read about it anyway, <laughs> and she stayed with me after all these years. But treat wisdom, treat wisdom as a lifelong companion who you have to serve back. Maintain her, love her, cry out for her, seek her counsel. Don't just take from her, give back. That's the whole point of this, I believe, wisdom, and that's what Solomon like every other human being, when they take it for granted, when you take your wife for granted, you may turn around one day and she'll be gone. Or worse, she might hit you over the head with a bat. <laughs> and then be gone. And then you got two issues. <laughs> and the pain then continues to stay. <laughs> and that's right. So hopefully those words of wisdom and, and what it means mean something to you. Okay, so now let's go back to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 20. Sure. Is, is, what's yes. the, did you go to first service today? Yes. What? Oh, I haven't gone to first service yet, but the last couple weeks. Yeah. Open to first Kings chapter 3. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. uh, it's, that's the, I'm so honored because it's sort of like a continuing thread on the Sunday morning. You know, I get to learn when I do this in the morning, with just me and God together, and then I get to teach it. And we get to talk about it and learn together. And then the, the, the continuous, just like you said, Susan, that you hear, that's a, that you can see the Holy Spirit just flooding this whole church from end to end with wisdom. And it's up to us, and we do, thankfully, take advantage of it. I just God hope... God does that with the choir, too. Because we never... De Debbie does not know what they're going to talk about. And the music always fits in. <laughs> that's amazing. And, and so it is God. Yeah. You know it has to be. Yeah. Pastor Eve is also having his class now yeah, uh, in the sanctuary, and it's a mirror image of this one. Is it really? Yes. Is he going over the book of Jude still? Is that, I think that's what I he's doing. I think so, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. God, to God be the glory. And you know, the way I think of it is that obviously we are getting to the point where the fools and the folly and the danger and the destruction and the death that they love are starting to steep this world into darkness more and more quickly. Would we agree? And you know, we are supposed to be lights on a hill. And when it's bright enough outside, we're lighter than that, that's fine. But the contrast really comes when the, when the skies darken. That light on the hill doesn't necessarily have to grow stronger in its of itself, does it? It should, but if it doesn't, just the fact that the world around it is getting darker, that's what's more important about wisdom now than anything. 
anything, especially as deception, because Matthew says, Jesus says to the elect, which he's talking about specifically mm -hmm. the Jews after the rapture at that time, but before that time, it applies to every one of us, right? That it'll get so bad that even if the very elect would be deceived. The who? Chrislam. I don't know what that it's is. A combination of Christian and Islam is one of the first services that are going to be held on June 26th. I don't know. I'm sorry, I look like a fool with my jaw open. Chrislam. Chrislam. And it's all bringing the Christian churches and Islam together. And when they have these meetings, the Bible and the Quran are at the front of the church. Trying to unite it, which is all moving towards the one world church. Yeah, yeah. Kumbaya. There's conferences that they have. Bill Clinton and. Tell me, Tony Blair's in this too, right? Yep, I knew it. I knew it. Tony Blair taught, of course, at Yale University, and it's to bring it to so called religions. The ecumenical. Right. Really? So as this comes to the fore, wow. Yeah. I told you about Rick Warren, right? Rick Warren is saying this? Yes, he's written a book. Oh, The Purpose Driven Life. Yes. Your purpose, yeah. rip the cross off yeah. your church. Yeah, you re, um, remove the hymnals. Um, you do not mention sin. You don't mention the cross. You don't mention health. You remove the pulpit if necessary. You wow. remodel your church and make it look more like a casino type thing. So to they make it seeker friendly. Oh, yeah, and of course, that's nine years ago, but there were 24 suggestions in his book. Wow. And um, Jack Van Impey has been talking about it. Jack Van Impey, uh, for it or against it? Exposing it. Oh, good, because I figured, I know Jack it well enough. I mean, I think he's a little on the edge, but so am I. But. He's very upset over it. And one of the um, Christian networks that he contracts with, he gave the first information of the one program was Amazing. Good. Wow. Thank you for that update. That's uh, I never heard of that, and I hear about a lot of things, but yeah. Chris Lam. I like that. I mean, I like the sound of it. It sounds like a. Yeah. It's like those bumper stickers coexist. You ever see the bumper stickers? And it has all of the symbols of all of the different religions. 
Mike, and, and this dovetails, thank you very much, Aaron, and Mike dovetails into what I was saying a couple weeks ago with Watch Glenn Beck as Oprah ramps down because people are becoming more quote-unquote conservative because they see the world around them failing. You have to have a replacement for the, oh, everything's great and the new age will bring us up. Now it's everything's not so great. We have to get really back to basics because of the austerity in, in people's minds now. And Beck feeds that. But he's still ramping up as Oprah's ramping down. That's in my opinion. I'm just watching this. And he's now for such a time as this where Oprah has built a following and the new age genre for the masses, right? Now, she's being segued out in light of all of this and we're going to now have everybody be unified and, and Beck is perfect for that. So, and, and uh, Rick, see, thank you very much for validating everything that we've talked about here and, and that shows wisdom. When you and I can see these things and discern them and know for sure, without a doubt, and people like Jack Van Indy and others who rail against it. Because Wick Warren, you know, in, in that book, The Purpose Driven Life, before I knew about this man, but, and I had started hearing about things that, later on, just little things from those who already had discernment that I did not have at the time. I said, no, this is hard to believe, but see, be wise, walk with wisdom, keep her as your companion. I know Already? going to be comfortable unto death. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, we have about five minutes left. About so, so I. It's amazing. So let's let's actually we can we can take that as a as a as a case point because, unfortunately, sometimes a lot of times prosperity is is a prime mover toward downfall. If it's not taken in wisdom, and. I mean, we're, we're at that point, but just looking at what people can be subject to and what can go in their own minds when they feel secure and they have everything. And, and also, as that starts to change, then it makes them even more to gra grasping on to the things that they already started to believe, like the New Age movement and this general Christianity and now the combining of Christianity and Islam. And I've told you I've seen the picture and I showed it in my Book of Revelation class a few years ago with the Pope kissing the Quran, kissing, laying his lips okay. on the Quran. Now, people say, oh, it was just a photo op. No, 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 no. I told you about the aliens they believe are coming and their creations of God and that they may even be sinless. And you don't think the Pope doesn't believe this or has a political slant on getting all of this kumbaya, believe anything you want, as long as we do it together. As long as we do it together. All right. <clears throat> First Kings chapter 4 and verse 20 to 34, and I think we'll wrap up here. First Kings chapter 4 and verse 20. The people of Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They ate, they drank, and they were happy. And Solomon ruled over all the kingdom from the river, of, to the, from the, river the great river, to the land of the Philistines as far as the border of Egypt. And I have a map in my notes I mentioned to you. These countries brought tribute and were Solomon's subjects all his life. Solomon's daily provision were 30 cores of, I don't think beer, cores of fine flour and 60 cores of meal, 10 heads of stall-fed cattle, and it goes on. He gets a lot of provisions, right? And that was part of his problem. He was getting very wealthy here. 
For he, for, verse 24, for he ruled over the kingdoms west of the river from Tifshat to Gaza and, and had, had peace on all sides. During Solomon's lifetime, Judah and Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, lived in safety, each man under his own vine and fig tree. Let's skip to verse 29. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the men of the east and greater than all, of, all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than any other man, including Ethan and, and Azarite, wiser than Haman, Kalkal, and Darda, and the sons of Mon. I don't know who these people are, but they must have been counted as very wise in those days. And his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs numbered 1,005. He described plant life. Listen to this. He's like sort of a scientist, too. Listen to this. He looked at God's creation, and he described plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the walls. He also taught about animals and birds, reptiles and fish. Men of all nations came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent by the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. So we'll wrap up there. So I hope you see now, you wrap this all up about the beauty and, and the wonderful thing, that, uh, the gift of wisdom and what it means and what it can bring you and what it allow you to do to serve God better in wisdom. It gives you credibility and certainly glorifies the Lord when they see something in you. And then they, they may, if they're not too foolish, they may recognize some wisdom in you and they may say, explain to me how you got that. How do you think the way you do? You know, you make an awful lot of sense. I can talk to you about almost anything and you have some kind of either, if you don't have the answer, you, you describe to me about the way things are so that I can find the answer myself or have more an intelligent way of looking for the answer. Things I've never, angles I've never thought of. Has anybody ever said that to you? Yeah. I've had the honor of people saying that to me. Especially as being Father's Day, if your own children have said that to you, you are truly blessed. It's amazing how smart you get when they get into their 20s, huh? <laughs> anyway, have a great week. Just to, just to let you know, we're going to have class next week, but July 3rd. I'm not going to be here, so enjoy your holiday weekend. We're going to be visiting my son. Actually, it never does, because maybe it will in your case. I don't know. But as they start reliving life, they realize, you know, Dad and Mom, you really knew what you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it ever does, though.